And it's time for another episode of the Big Freedom Show. I'm Charlie Thompson. With me, as always, the king himself, John King. He's flexing for you guys out there. You can't tell. It's quite and a sight. Your favorite lispy libertarian, Nathaniel Paul. And guys, we've got a, a packed show for you today. We're really excited about it. I want you to know that the top trending headline right now on the news app, if you don't have it, is opinion. Melania Trump wears white pantsuit to State of the Union. No, she didn't. So on to something more important. I just want to let you know, you're not going to get any of that with us. That's the most important news for sure. That's little freedom. That's not what we talk about here at the Big Freedom Show. We're all about liberty and freedom and advancing the movement. She did look stunning, though. I'm sure she did look good. She is a model after all. But that's all. all we're going to say about that. And uh, instead of the watching the State of the Union last night, I actually, um, well, I went to a Predators Wait, game uh, again. Hold on. Did uh, you? Two of you went to a Predators yeah. game. I'm the third wheel friend once again. I was stuck at home with my three-year-old jumping in my lap watching Trumple Stillskin deliver his State of the Union Well, you address. just weren't fast enough whenever I asked who wants to go. We've already so. uh, you should have been the collusion. You There's another Predators game it. tomorrow night. Who wants to go? I can't. I can't actually. Okay. I don't think I can. Well, I'll find another friend. Yeah, <laughs> I've got I'm one happy more. To be, I'm happy to be your C string, though. <laughs> it was a fun, fun game, though. We did lose, but though, let me tell to you, the Blackhawks. Yeah, no. Um, they let me tell you what those drinks are expensive. There, you get some bourbon or some whiskey there, especially a double whiskey and uh, and Coke. I, it yeah. cost you twenty bucks. The, the time that I actually got the invite after you declined because you were out of the city, so I got an invite. <laughs> I bought Charlie a couple of drinks there, and uh, my my bill was sizable, but it, it was, was tasty. Bell Mead bourbon, enjoyed it. We'll just do so that every, one day. Just so everyone out there knows, uh, in case you're a new listener, even I just offered up uh, tickets to tomorrow night's game, and both declined. <laughs> So <laughs> for the sake of my marriage, I must decline, but go Preds. And you know what? There's a lot of, uh, national people that listen to this podcast. So thank you for that. And hey, how uh, about this? I'm going to throw you out there. Nashville people. If any of you want to go to the game with Charlie, hit us up at info at the big First person to hit us up is Charlie's accompaniment. Yeah. Let's do it. Why are not? Gonna, are you going to buy them a drink? They can buy me a drink for the ticket. <laughs> okay. For the ticket. Yeah. That's a fair All price. Right, so if anybody yeah. takes them up on this. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I wanted to say really quickly, if you are a Predators fan in Nashville, you're listening, and you want to go to the game, do that. But also, we got Mike Fisher back, which is huge. Uh, he retired last year, and now he's coming back to the Predators to play it's another like a game, hole so. in our heart has been filled. I don't know anything about hockey. <laughs> but that's, you go to all the games. Anyway, true. sports talk. <laughs> Here, sports freedom. But anyway, enough about the Predators. On to what Nate and I missed last night, and John... You were such a good researcher. John, I, I John, did watch it. John watched the State of the Union, uh, and that's what we're going to be discussing today mostly. Uh, we're going to go over some good and bad things. We're going to go over how it how it helps or hurts liberty. Yeah, and then we're going to go over our own list for how we feel the State of the Union was for this year from a liberty perspective. I did watch the whole thing on uh, on YouTube today. The best thing about watching it on YouTube... Double speed. Yes, you get to double tap the thing uh, that skips it forward 10 seconds. Perfect for every, every single time Trump line. is talking. Oh. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, during every single applause, you just double tap the forward thing, and you don't have to listen to everyone awkwardly clapping every single 10 seconds. Can you imagine how awkward it must be to be in that room and know... 
that you were supposed to clap every 10 to 15 seconds. The, the funniest or- part was they would cut away to the sort of like Democrat leaders and you know, you're looking for some kind of response and it was just deadpan. Yeah. Just, it was like somebody was talking about murdering puppies the yeah. whole time. Like, oh, we black unemployment is an all time low. And it's like dead <laughs> no puppies, clapping. dead you know, puppies. <laughs> that's, that's stuff where I think we're going to talk about later. But man, the partisanship of politicians these days, it does not matter. Doesn't do um, anybody any good. Even at the point that Trump, the Republican president that we have right now, announced an amnesty plan for 1.8 million illegal immigrants and they still didn't clap. So that's how you just know that it's all partisan politics. No one cares the stuff of dreams. about the issues. They only care about if the person with the D or the R next to their name said it. They didn't even stand. No, nothing. They didn't stand. In the funeral attire. Yeah. <laughs> and this isn't about Republicans or Democrats. It was just so funny that basically you had half of the representation of the people just not participating. <laughs> Well, that's what we got these days in the U.S., just uh, straight-up partisan politics. But It's kind of like the playground, if you think about it. It you really know, is. You know, it, get off my teeter-totter. It was kind of like me at high school, really. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people just wouldn't clap for me when I was playing basketball. I know Charlie got a lot of <laughs> claps when he was playing basketball. Which Charlie's but, like seven foot nine. We need yeah. to stress that. <laughs> He's like eight one. And yeah, he um, just keeps going up. Episode. His, his height is bigger than our freedom. <laughs> Uh, the freedom index for sure. <laughs> but what did you guys think about the speech overall? Like, do you think he did a good job? The first thing I want to say is I think Trump did the best job of telling stories of storytelling his speech than, uh, than has been in a long time. I mean, he really pulled at some emotional heartstrings when it comes to like, some immigration discussion and he was telling how these, you know, he brought up the, the actual family members of the two daughters that were killed were there. And he was, you know, saying how, you know, nobody should be able to go, to go through that pain, which is true. Nobody should go through that pain. I mean, everybody's sitting there saying he's like, you have 320 million um, heartbeats in America that are praying for you, which means the entire country. And it's like, man, that really like, that's something that the left is so good at that Trump did last night. I think overall he really was very emotional in his storytelling. It was it was funny how quote presidential unquote that he came across. And it, it kind of made me wonder, I'm like, he's been so like just loose cannon and all over the map. It made you wonder pr- pretty much every other president stays on the prompter the whole time. You know how much of a difference is there with Trump? Is it just because he goes so, off prompter, so he's actually speaking from his own intellect? <laughs> so you think the actual reason that we we think Trump is such a terrible speaker is that he actually goes around just saying what's on top of his head all the time, think, and that all the other presidents we've had go around talking off of a teleprompter all the time, and which uh, arguably works a lot better. I'm, yeah. I'm not debating. No, <laughs> Obama was a great speaker, but I will say when he would go off teleprompter, it was. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, yeah, it, I think, and so you know, I think like Fox, all the time, that's you what know? you did there, Nick. yeah. So. I think Fox News even like counted up the amount of seconds that was like he was saying one paragraph, and the amount of seconds that it took in between words was uh, like something like thirty seconds that it took him to say this one thing he was trying to say. Thirty seconds worth of <laughs> one pauses. sentence that he had yeah. to say. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we should get into what we what we liked and we didn't like about it. I mean, we've got some pretty specific things that I know we've all took. Well, yeah. And right before we do that, I did notice some, I guess everybody saw the polling today on this. This was a hit for Trump. Like he mm-hmm. finally 
People couldn't argue with what he was saying. It was, was it like 90% approval? It was 75% of everyone who watched it. It was 96% of Republicans is what I, I read. And then even the Democrats. It was over 50 It, it was over Democrats. 50% yeah, of the Democrats. I so, that. I mean, a, basically everyone thought this was a good speech. It was unifying. Even if you're kind of like me, which we don't really take a stance here, but I don't personally like Trump really as a person. I like a lot of what he's doing, but anyway, you if couldn't he would argue just get with rid it, of with Twitter. I mean, seriously, you can yeah. follow us on Twitter though at Big Freedom Show <laughs> at Big Freedom Show. Yeah, yeah, look you out, get on there if you follow Donald Trump, or you don't even have to follow him. It's all over the news. Good God, <laughs> he would. Well, and that was which we'll jump into the substance here real quick. But that was the interesting thing is I remember as a kid you'd watch the State of the Union because you weren't getting something from your president every day, and it was like the an explanation of what was to come, you know, uh, bullet trains and that kind of thing. And you get so excited. Most of it never happened, but it's so different now because we're hearing from him every single day. And as someone who follows the news and current events, I was like, this, this has all been said many times before it was the same, you know, the biggest, baddest, greatest, most beautiful, <laughs> huge, most and fantastical, biggest <laughs> side part. Real quick, that, that reminds me, I watched every say the union too, but only because I was so poor growing up. I only had three channels. <laughs> you had to. <laughs> so there was nothing else on. You And Netflix didn't exist and YouTube wasn't around. You couldn't just, I guess we could have popped in a VHS. Yeah, man. You, know, you couldn't afford a VCR. But yeah, so. we, back then those things were really expensive. Yeah. I don't know why. I just remember it was one speech I believe that Obama gave and it was one of his first couple of years where he was just talking about massive transportation overhaul and infrastructure and how we were going to get places and this, that, and the other. And it was just so cool to me. I'm like, this is actually pretty awesome. But then none of it happened. Yeah. I mean, he made, uh, Obama made really good speeches. I'll tell you when I saw his inauguration speech, his, uh, even during his campaign, I mean, dude was a great speaker, really great. Yeah. He, he murders Trump on the speaking. Oh for yeah, sure. for sure. But, um, what's some that we should maybe go down a list of things, uh, in the speech that we maybe liked, we didn't like some, some bullet points from it. Um, do you guys, yeah, so let's I, break down the speech first and then yeah. we'll go through some stuff that maybe wasn't in the speech, but we felt was kind of like the greatest hits and misses for the year. I'll yeah. say, I think the best thing that Trump said the entire speech is something that really aligns with what we believe in here at the big freedom show. And he said, so to every citizen watching at home tonight, no matter where you have been or where you have come from, this is your time. If you work hard, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in America, then you can dream anything, be anything. And together we can achieve absolutely anything. And that's, exactly what we stand for here at the big freedom show we believe in this self-responsibility that if you put your mind to something you can do anything you want america is still the greatest country out there as many faults that it has it's still the greatest land of opportunity so if you if you really decide if you work hard and that's the key part of this if you work hard and don't you're not you're not blaming anybody else it's not anyone else's fault you are the product of the decisions that you make. If you truly believe that, then you can be anything and you can achieve anything. And I think we're all three proof of that. I do think he made a, a great uh, a great job, great deal of time talking about the American dream and how we were going to get back to that. And, uh, you know, we have our American dream starter kit that we make jokes about. Coming soon. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to make this, this starter kit about all the things that are part of the American dream now, which is uh, a load of other people's money and uh, some tariffs for something that you want to buy from overseas. Tariff and uh, Yeah, some things like that. 
But no, he did talk about the American dream and that it's that's something that's really important because there's a reason that this country just blew up so fast whenever whenever they came here and they they created this free market environment for people to come that there is a there's something inside of of human beings that that we have that we can create things and that we have a really big potential and that creating a system where no one was going to stop you that you could reach your full potential was a was a really big thing and and I hope that someday we get back to that but he did talk a lot about how we were getting back to the American dream. And, and guys, the American dream is not that you have a place to go where someone will give you something. The, the American dream was that there's a place you could go where you could achieve your full potential. And your full potential as a human being is not taking from someone else. And that, that's, that's kind of a big, that's a big difference in what we have right now versus what it was when the country was formed. Right. We don't want to give everybody the Ford Focus from last week's episode, but we want you to have every opportunity to buy your own Ferrari. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. You don't want to give everyone this terrible, this, this low thing, you know, some crappy, Push everyone uh, to yeah. mediocrity, some, you know, <laughs> or, or not even that though. I mean, if you want to work 40 hours a week and, and punch the time card and come home and watch your favorite shows or go golfing every weekend or whatever you want to do, that can be possible in America. That's the America. It's not. It's not always being a millionaire, or billionaire, or you know, trillionaire. Eventually, Bezos is almost there. <laughs> but it, it's more about whatever your success level is that you could think about to be like, man, if I could accomplish this, my life would be successful. Your opportunity to realize your potential without someone getting in the way. So if you don't mind, I'm going to turn this into the the citizenship part of it, because there was something he said on the the immigration side of this. If you don't mind, if we go there real quick, Um, he said something that I was just like, "Uh." uh, so he announced that he is in favor of a path to citizenship for 1.8 million illegal immigrants. This covers the DACA people. Um, and like and, I said at the beginning of the episode, the Democrats didn't even clap or anything whenever he, a Republican president announced favor, favoritism of amnesty. And it was, I think they had proposed something like citizenship for 600,000 people. This was three times that. Yeah. And now can't crack a smile, dead puppies. This this was the Democrats' response to that. It's all dead puppies. <laughs> no, there you go. It's all dead puppies. No good. That was it. But so he put the uh, the caveat on this that if they meet education and I'm actually I don't know if you guys see this I'm using my Trump hands over here. But if they don't meet the mic, education and work requirements. Now that's not even something now they're putting that on there because when you become a citizen you're eligible to um, other people's money getting sent to your bank account all the time, which is a crazy thing to think about. But um, when you're eligible and you become a citizen, you're eligible for other people's money. So he's saying that these people have to follow uh, education and work requirements. And what I want to know is, why do they have to do that? Like The people in our own country don't meet education and work requirements. So why is it so important that immigrants from other countries... Uh, I guess have to prove that they're better than Americans <laughs> than a lot of American citizens because I mean we have tons of people that we're taking care of that don't meet education or work requirements and they're still American citizens so I just want to know why that's so important that that's a a caveat for the immigrants. It's I, funny you bring that up because on his uh, four pillars of immigration the the first one. Uh, and I wrote some notes that that go right along with this when he said establishing a merit-based immigration system that gives 
preference to skilled workers. What does that even mean? Like, what's a skilled worker? How, that's so subjective. How do you say, like, oh, you're skilled, you're not? Is it based off of education, or did you have a certification? Or Well, or, not to completely go along with the Cheeto chic, but I'm just saying, I do see a little bit of that. He's saying, you know, are you able to contribute in some way, or are you immediately going to come here and not be able to generate an income. But how, but how do you know though? No, because I, I, we, I agree. I agree completely. I'm because, just saying the principle of it I don't object mm-hmm. to. I'm a perfect example. Like I wouldn't be allowed into America today because nearly all the skills that I use today came from teaching myself and I had the opportunity to teach myself these things. What we need to do, as we've said over and over and over again, the problem is not whether people have skills that are coming in this country. The problem is what Nate alluded to. We've said a thousand million times on the show, and I'll say it every single time, is that the fact that they qualify for other people's money, then you, you have to eventually, like we've mentioned before, you'll have more people taking than more people giving. So what they're trying to do is make sure that these are going to be people that are given to the, the system. The problem is not the American dream. The problem is the American dream starter kit. Yes. Yeah, that's Absolutely. Absolutely. All joking aside, it's all the things that we do to try to get people up that end up hurting them in in the long term. And what I would say is, it let's say you're listening and you're more of a just like liberal, maybe a liberal person that's really in favor of the immigration, uh, you know, the DACA, the you know, just letting everyone come here. Um, when Trump says that we need a more merit based system, or he makes comments like he did about Haiti and things like that. Those things only happen because those people will eventually be eligible for other people's money. So if you hear him say something like, we need a merit-based system for who we let into the country, that's only because of the welfare system. It's not because we don't like immigrants. It's not because we don't like people from certain countries. It's because if you're going to let people into the country and they're eventually going to be able to have some of my money, then we will have to be more selective. Right. If you want to not be more selective and let everyone in, then you got to get rid of the welfare system. This is just like hiring costs with a business. It, it mm-hmm. costs you so much to onboard someone, train them, and to provide the benefits and everything. And it's really the same thing. There's it, every person becomes a liability when you have to think of them that way. Um, well, that's kind of. Are you guys good on the immigration thing, or you got a well, little more? I was going to say, speaking of taking other people's money. Oh, we go into taxes. We're going to go to the tax cuts. (laughs) There you go. And uh, the first thing I want to say is that uh, I I read some uh, fact checking that I thought was pretty funny. Um, And and it really, one, we'll we'll get to it later, but it plays on the bipartisanship of of my team versus your team, you know, because Washington Post and things like that when they were doing this fact checking. Uh, But I did see one where, you know, Trump keeps talking about this is the biggest tax cut in American history. And it's actually not true. Um, this one is the, what I did read on this fact checking one is it was the eighth biggest, but it's so the most it's, beautiful. It's top 10. And the most it's orange. It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> huge. <laughs> it was a great, I mean, we're in favor of tax cuts and I don't want to talk bad about this tax cut because anytime you cut taxes in our eyes, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, the corporate tax got cut from 35% down to 21%. That is, that is an amazing thing. That's helpful. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is huge. It's a beautiful tax cut. Um, <laughs> but it might've been possibly the eighth biggest tax cut. Not quite that, but do you guys mind if I uh, speak about what I noticed while I was watching them talk about tax cuts? 
Ah, the no. itch. Are you a, are you well, you're a full-time host. You're a full-time host now. Am so. I on the show now? So, finally? yeah. You don't Great. need to ask permission anymore. But if you if you miss another episode, you're on probation again <laughs> for at least, at least three months. <laughs> so there was something during during this whole thing. You know, at the beginning of the speech, um, Trump was just basically touting all the good things that have happened in the last year. And the main thing he talked about was the tax cut. And I just noticed something that um, it really kind of bothered me because every time he talked about how this person got a tax cut and it was going to help them or a married family of four got a tax cut and this is how much less their burden is going to be or, uh, you know, whatever, all the way down the list, the the room would stand up and just applause and, and cheer and everyone was so happy that we were able to give those people a, a tax cut. Oh, you're giving. Yeah, they're giving them a tax cut. And everyone was so happy that they were able to help those people. And it really rubbed me the wrong way because the the government officials in the room are the reason that the tax is there in the first place. And they're cheering that they were able to give people a tax cut because they knew it would help them. So you have a room full hmm. of government officials admitting that taxes are a burden on the American people, that the income tax is a burden on the American people, and they were cheering about being able to reduce it by about half a percentage point for, for a lot of people, and how much this was just going to help everyone. And just seeing a room full of government officials cheering themselves for hurting people less. Patting themselves on the back. Patting themselves on the back. When you have a, when you have a thief in the room that's, uh, that has decided to steal a little bit less from you because they know it'll help you out, and they're cheering themselves for doing it. They left your sock drawer alone. It's still they took pre- the yeah. jewels, but the socks are still and there. And they're like, yeah, I'll leave you a little bit. I'm going to leave you a little bit more because I noticed um, you're having a really hard time getting by when I take all your stuff all the time. <laughs> and now I'm going to let you have a little bit more of your own stuff. I'm still going to take a good percentage of it, but I'm going to let you have a little bit more of your own stuff because I think it'll help you a lot. This is a burden on you. I mean, this is a crazy analogy, but it's almost like a, a, a rapist who lets his victims go and doesn't, and doesn't kill them. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm look, still committing I, a terrible act, I but helped, I let you go. I helped you. Look, look, you could have died, and I helped you. That's a, that's that a, a little bit more hardcore analogy very hardcore than what analogy. I was making I with a thief. Didn't see that, no. didn't see that going no. there. But anyway, just think about it. If you were going to go back and watch that, the government is responsible for the taxation in the first place, and they're cheering a reduction in the taxation because they know it will help people. Isn't that kind of disgusting whenever you think about it? Well, and uh, that they know that the taxation is hurting people. That's what that implies. They yeah, know that taking know their money is. makes things worse for people, but they still continue to do it. Yeah. Uh, we were able to give you a, you know, here, have, a, have a half a percent. My question is, why stop there? Like, why... <laughs> That's Why don't we re- just reduce all the hurt? But, you know... That's a whole other episode, for there, sure. I always hear the argument, though, that, you know, in our glory days, and in, in the Make America Great Again days that Trump refers to, you know, taxes were, you know, the high, the marginal tax rate at the, for the top was like 90%, you know? 
Yeah, that's just that's a talking point for people that are bad at math. Basically, yeah. the marginal tax rate of ninety percent that you see in all of your really awesome Facebook memes from Bernie Sanders' Facebook page oh, um, that applied to over people making over three hundred thousand dollars a year. They got taxed at ninety percent in the fifties. In the fifties, which was almost no one. They had a tap. Uh, they top marginal tax rate of like 90% on people making 300,000 or more, which included like 500 people in the entire country. And not only that, but even those 500 people, I guarantee didn't pay it because you know what rich people do? They don't pay taxes. They find loopholes and get around. Even they, they do pay taxes, John. I'm going to have to say even, that rich people do pay taxes. No, they do. You know what I mean, though. They don't yeah. pay the rate that you no, think they. No, even they're beloved, something. they're paying something. Even the beloved Bernie Sanders only paid nine percent, eight percent when he makes over a mortal beloved five hundred thousand. <laughs> Sorry, if you're a Bernie Sanders fan out there, listen. I think Bernie we, Sanders is a great and guy. We have honestly. a lot in common with you. We yeah. actually do. You might not think so, but we we have a lot in honestly, common. Honestly, we want the same things. We just see a different way of getting there. Yeah, that, your that's solutions the are yeah. not our solutions. No, but the uh, same problems. We yes. agree with the same problems. We've different got the solutions. same beef yes. for sure. We Absolutely. have the right solutions. Yeah, but um, yeah. Anyway, the 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 rich do they pay some taxes? They covered what is it like seventy percent of the taxes? Oh, abso- the, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, they they invest their money and it, then they it gets creative. In, yeah. they don't do you know the TurboTax ultimate and uh, you know get their refund back in three days. They're they're getting a little more sophisticated. So with this tax cut, moving on, we've they said that we've um also in the last year we've seen two point six million added jobs uh, in that time. A really big growth year, a super low unemployment rate, which I know that the unemployment rate was already going down. Um, also, the unemployment rate is a completely bogus statistic because it, it counts people who have gone so long without a job that they've stopped looking as being, they're no longer counted in the unemployment rate. So if your economy is so bad that someone gives up looking for a job, you're not counted in the unemployment rate. So it's a completely bogus statistic anyway. Yeah, which quick plug for Nashville. I think we're at 2.4% here was what I just read, which is pretty crazy. That's pretty good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. What's what's the national rate at right now? Four? Yeah, it's around four. Somewhere, yeah. somewhere there. I don't know what the decimal is. Go Nashville. Is, Not right. only do we have an amazing hockey team, you know, it's a good place to work. I think, I think I saw it is the lowest unemployment application rate in 45 years. And... Mm-hmm the lowest unemployment application rate for the African-American community ever. Still no collapse from the Democrats. Yeah. Lowest unemployment for African-Americans in American history and not a clap from the Democrats about that whatsoever. Not only that, but nearly 3 million American workers received a bonus or a raise. No, that, but I mean, come on, Charlie, they closed 60 stores. <laughs> so what you're saying is they probably fired 6,000 people and hired 30. Yeah. So we got to get ticked about the 6,000. So we got to get, we got to get really mad about the, um, the six, uh, layoff companies that had really big layoffs, um, but not care about the almost 3 million added jobs and the 3 million other people who received wage increases or bonuses what we need to focus on elementary mathematics the very low tens of thousands of people who were let go from their job 
um, that's the only thing that we need to pay attention to, right? And they probably got another one somewhere yeah. and I, relatively quickly. I think the important part here is that during the Obama years, there wasn't a single layoff that whole time, right? Not one company laid off anyone. Yeah, not that we heard about. <laughs> no, I didn't see a news story every single time a business laid off someone. I don't think they made national news about it. But uh, for some reason, they've got to make national news about it right now. I mean, Solyndra kept paying people after they just disappeared, right? <laughs> I mean, Solyndra. that wasn't a thing. <laughs> that was a great business idea, John. I don't know why you're so picky about Solyndra. Come on, they're worth the investment. Yeah. <laughs> don't, aren't you glad that a lot of your money... Speaking of bad investments, them? real quick... Nate and I on last week's episode, I don't, did we talk about that? Investments. About what we did. About, oh no, we didn't. Nate know. and I both bought some Bitcoin in yeah. the Square Cash app, literally just for fun. Yeah. And I got in, we were a couple hours apart from each other. We both put 15 bucks in. Yeah. So I'm part of the Bitcoin craze today. It's pretty bad. Hold on, today, Nate's, yeah. Nate's getting I'm a gonna, live I'm action quote here. Let me Charlie tell you. didn't buy in. He was a little skeptical. He didn't I'm not want, there. He's not a cryptocurrency well, genius. Well, just so everyone knows, um, Bitcoin is a terrible investment for a currency. Um, there are tons of stocks on the market that go up and drop by 20 to 30 to 40% every single day that before Bitcoin existed. So the whole Bitcoin craze is kind of kind of funny to me because but hold, i hold on you can't do any of those in the cash app you can't do this it in the cash app. so nate give me the grand total what my 15 dollars is... in bitcoin is now worth 13 dollars and 48 ah, cents yeah. in a week not even a week dollar yeah. 52 that is a reduction down of 10 percent in that okay, hold, in that on. time i'm trying to see what mine's worth give me a second my phone's <laughs> lagging a little here although since we're on this tangent i did uh nate knows more about the stock market than i do uh, I'm still currently doing some research. So I did text Nate today and I was like, hey, I text Nate. And I was like, look, there's uh, several cryptocurrencies out there right now that are pretty cheap. Ethereum? I was like, oh, that's expensive now. Dash is expensive. They're all up in the 600, 2000 range. But there's a lot of them that are still like 50 cents a coin. And I was thinking like, what if I just like bought a few of them, like get a thousand coins. And if they ever do get up to a thousand dollars i could be one of those lucky millionaires that is a and if and if i don't then i lose 500 bucks big yeah. deal that is a decent idea uh, my only point on the whole thing is that there's always a bunch of penny stocks that you could put 500 dollars in that if one of them blows up you'll make money what bothered me was this whole cryptocurrency craze getting all these people into the market this kind of crazy unpredictable market is always there. If you guys want to invest in penny stocks, this go is put 10 cents into a stock. Let's, yeah. let's not pretend it's, otherwise. This is not investing. This is gambling. And if one of them pays off big, you get to act like you're an investor We'd after that. We suggest going to the casino. But, the free steak is worth it. Mine's <laughs> worth twelve seventy five, Nate. Ooh, okay. You lost a little bit more than there. me. Okay. So anyway, we've lost almost 20%. I don't think we were going to talk about Bitcoin for too yeah, long. Well, it's, state it's, of the relevant. Union. it's relevant. So back to the state of the union, <laughs> back to Trump's state of the union. He, I've got a, I've got a pee so bad right now. How was that? I feel so much better now. I don't know if you guys could tell, but since about 30 seconds in, all I could think about was how bad I had to pee. And now I can finally focus on whatever the heck it is you guys have been saying this Back whole time. Back to Nate and Well, thanks for uh, sticking around. Uh, for Good thing Nate didn't ruin the whole show. 
Um, we almost put him on probation for that. Uh, but I guess everybody needs a break every once in a while, right? We can't be. I appreciate you letting me have that. Yeah. That pee break. We can't yeah. be real crazy here. Actually, I think legally I can get a 15 minute break per hour that we do the show <laughs> or something like that. We're going to dock you for lost wages. <laughs> Who's paying you? <laughs> Free market, uh, man. Sure. Right. Back to the State of the Union. And uh, Trump is out there saying that he's created 2.4 million jobs. 200,000. I'm sure he didn't create any jobs. 200,000 of those in the manu- manufacturing industry alone. Which is huge. Which, yes. Huge. Um, beautiful. Yeah, well, like John said, I mean, Trump didn't create the jobs. No. The government getting out of people's way leaves it open for job creators to create jobs. That's the important part is it's this weird thing. When you let these super productive people keep some of their own money so they can turn that into more productive uses, you tend to get even more jobs for people. You've seen more wage increases in the last year than we've seen in probably 20 years right now. But I'm I mean, interested to see how the stat looks for wage growth yeah, with I, the tax cuts. I do think it's going to be pretty substantial because all of a sudden these companies just have so much extra money that they're used to just having confiscated and all of a sudden they can invest it in things and people. Yeah, I mean, I I have a, I can't, I don't think I can tell this full story, but what I can say is I have a friend who works at a very large retail store and he told me in a meeting that he had, he's pretty high up and, uh, they basically had a meeting to decide what they were going to do with all the extra money because they had no idea what they were going to do with all of the extra money they were were saving. They were trying to figure out what investments they could make to actually make that money work for them because they hadn't had this much extra money right now. And all they could think about was how do we invest this money Uh, so we can turn it into something else. A retail store that might have a margin of, say, 10% or something like that, all of a sudden getting, how much was the tax cut? 15%? 14%, from 35% to 21%. So they could have doubled their profit immediately, just More than double. That's crazy. Yeah, went from 10% to 24%. So what did they decide to do? I don't know. He didn't tell me that part. But he said they literally had a meeting just dedicated to, what are we going to do with all this extra money? I'm sure they just did stock buybacks, John, for their CEO. That's really all they did. Yeah, you know, know, only the CEO owns the stock. Because that doesn't (laughs) help anyone. He's the only shareholder in that corporation that has 100 million shares available. But... Um, Which is a total lie, by the way. And I, you want to know how I know this? Because you could go back a couple episodes in the Big Freedom Show. We talk about this. We talk about stock buybacks, why they're good for everyone. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to the last five episodes and you will be caught up. Yeah, the basic idea is that you're focusing on the one or two people that benefit from the stock buyback without realizing that everyone who owns stock in the company, 401ks, mutual funds, your your IRAs, your pension funds that are invested in, in those. Employees of the company. The employees of the company. Guys, these are every time we want to invoke emotion and we talk about teachers and policemen Don't do and it. everything. Do not invoke the emotion. teachers Nate. and the policemen who are very important and very beautiful people, and I know many of them and they are all great. Um, they're very important and they all have pension funds that are invested in these companies. So when they do a stock buyback, it makes the price of the stock go up and it helps everyone, not yeah. just the one or two people that you're focused on. Yeah, their pension doesn't just sit in like a bank vault. It's not in Bank of America's vault in the, in the basement. It's like a it's, giant mattress. It's in, <laughs> it's in the market. <laughs> it's in the stock market. There is not a giant mattress made for all of this 
pension money. I just imagine Mattress King being the actual was actually a bank, and they just oh, had gosh. just a bunch of money. <laughs> you think they have better commercials? I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty good, man. Going along with this, though, is how many regulations Trump has reduced, which I think for libertarians, this as much as you can dislike Trump on certain things, there is a lot of good things that he's done, and this is one. And in his first year, he has cut more regulations than any other president. And they didn't really start keeping regulation, cutting stats on this. So I guess, and Trump really, it was important. It was good for ratings. And really, so. since there hasn't really been that many regulations before 1913, uh, there were a few, but it's really grown rapidly in the last hundred years. Uh, and so Trump said, and made a campaign promise, he said, for every one regulation we add, we're going to cut two. And his ratio is actually 16 to one. And Trump has cut 469 regulations in his first year contrast that to bush's first year he cut 181 regulations and obama's first year he cut 156 regulations so that's how many did he almost add on? four yeah, times that's the qu- what's the adding number on those we don't they didn't give us that information or i didn't look at <laughs> one that, step forward 14 back i'm scared that for obama and bush they both they might have cut 100 regulations but probably added 14 or 15 let's, let's divide these say. up a little bit you know, yeah take but this one turn it to 10 his promise was that he would cut two for every new regulation that the government wrote. Um, and instead, that, that equation has actually came out to they have cut 16 regulations for every new regulation that the government has came out with. They've even got a regulation czar, a guy who oversees every single federal agency and makes sure that when they make a regulation, that it is legal, that it's constitutional, that it's something that is actually going to help people and not hurt people. And uh, I mean... I don't. I don't want to do a whole podcast dedicated to talking good about Trump, but there's a, there's a there's a couple good things that have happened so far. I, I do have to say, I don't feel so much of it has actually been Trump. I think Trump has done a very good job of surrounding himself with good people. Yeah, who have made some good choices. Well, he. And picked, so, I'm sorry. No, it, no, no. Every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, ah! yeah. But please, the don't. people that are doing things for him that he put in positions of power are doing the right thing by our standard, I feel like. He picked an education secretary that is big on private schools and uh, and giving people school vouchers and school choice. He picked a Bureau of Land Management that doesn't think the government should own land. Like, There's a lot of really funny things that he did. He tried to uh, nominate the guy, the CEO of Hardee's, uh, for the, uh, the labor uh, secretary, <laughs> and he doesn't even think that we should have a minimum wage. So, like, there were a lot of really, to me, it was hilarious that he nominated these people, but I also loved it the at the really same time. The really funny one to me was the uh, CFSB, which was kind of Elizabeth Warren's mm-hmm. brainchild. You know, that director, I can't remember his name, but he came out and said, I don't need any more money. Like, we don't really have much to do here. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, there's... Oh. The, We've got nothing to do. And his FCC chair, obviously. I mean, you're, you're jumping pie. ahead to my yeah. wins and losers here. I'm sorry, I'm so, sorry, uh, but so, we're talking about his appointees, and, yeah, and that, uh, that was a good one. We'll jump back to that. There in have a been some that really guy good is ones. a flaming libertarian, and I love it. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, outspoken. He needs to stay off YouTube. But uh, yes, there are a couple more little things I wanted to say from the speech, and I know that we have a list of good and really good and really bad things that have came from Trump in the first year. Um, one thing that I liked a lot was last night he talked about uh, in healthcare and pharmaceuticals, um, he talked about how the FDA needs to allow people who are terminally ill to take experimental med- education. Medication? I don't even think that that's a, 
Medjimication? Medjimication. Anyway, um, <laughs> experimental drugs. It's scientific. Why you experimental? They should take experimental education, right? That's <laughs> that's what we should do it's for science. everyone. <laughs> so you take a Kindle and an iPad and you, a white wall. And you put them together, and then you just start throwing things at your students. And this is a, experimental medication <laughs> all, all the time. But Oh, no. <laughs> med- uh, medication. Medication. Oh, oh, that. Now I get... Sorry, it was the lisp. I couldn't oh. understand Oh, so anyway, killed the point now, but one of his talking points last night was how terminally ill patients should be allowed to take experimental medication. And that's a real, honestly, anyone who wants to put medicine, anyone who wants to uh, have their freedom to put a medicine in their body that they want to, I don't know why the government is even allowed to tell them that they can't anyway, but it's a big step in the right direction saying that if you're someone who has a terminal cancer, some kind of terminal illness, that if there's an experimental medicine out there, you should be able to take it. Uh, why not? Your, your terminal, um, why not give you a chance? And his tagline on this was that everyone, that they deserved the right to try. And I, I thought that that was... I mean, completely. You shouldn't have right. to go to Mexico. <laughs> no, for some hope. We don't yeah. need a Dallas Buyers Club for some kind of medicine that that can that can help people. Yeah, you don't need hope in a burrito. You know, you ought to be able to get it at home. Yeah. This is one hundred percent the right direction. Next step is to completely abolish the FDA. Yeah, but and we'll take this. Needed. We'll take this step Absolutely. right now. Yeah, that's a great step in the right direction. Baby steps. Yep. Uh, the other thing I was going to say real quick was he talked about the infrastructure. Um, big, bigly, huge, big infrastructure. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to have amazing, beautiful roads everywhere. We're going to, there's just, it's going to be great. Um, but a big thing about it, this is the thing. We are libertarians here. Uh, the three of us are, I don't know if you're a libertarian that's listening, but we hope you will be maybe someday, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) kidding. Um, but anyway, a big thing he said was that it takes entirely too long to get a permit to even build a road and that uh, we needed to get that process streamlined. And on top of that, we needed to be open to private investment into our infrastructure program, meaning that if you're a libertarian, listen to them right now. We had a Republican president at the State of the Union suggest privatizing the road system could be a better thing for the country. And I just want to point that out, that we actually had someone say that in front of Congress last night. And not to sit here and toot Trump's horn all night, but that is the first time I've heard a president say well, that we he, need private whoever investors. Whoever wrote that, we're a big <clears throat> fan of you. Absolutely. <laughs> especially, especially all you northern libertarians should be excited about this, because by now we should have roads that melt ice and snow for you. <laughs> That's the thing. Like you and never. If, <laughs> if we had a private company or private companies that were invested into building roads, they would be so much more advanced than where we are now. Listen, Imagine guys, if you could give a quarter and get the pre-thawed road. Yeah, the pre-thawed you know, you got, road. Here's your thaw pass. <laughs> but if you want the free road, it's, it could be frozen. We don't really know for sure. So either you got to stay at home and miss work, don't get paid, or you pay a quarter and you get the pre-thawed road. It's kind of a bad example of how this could be a good thing for I don't a lot know. of people. I'm, but <laughs> I'm all about it. Sounds good. I'll pay the quarter. Probably pay more than the quarter right now for the road that you're so driving I can on. Miss a couple hundred bucks for going no, to work, but, or but all guys, the salt and all but, that costs a lot more than a quarter. Guys, listen. The the government does everything inefficiently, 
at everything that they do, including building roads. And this is a big thing that me and Charlie like to talk about it when we talk about privatized roads, is that if you have a corporation, a private investor building your road for you, who knows what it, what invention we would have had by now? A solar road that had heaters built into it that stored heat from the sun. Some kind of crazy thing where we'd never had a bad road to drive on. If there's a wreck, some kind of crazy thing pops out over it and you can just drive over it while they're working on it. I mean, who knows what kind of inventions we would have had so far, but we've been hindered by the fact that the government has been controlling it this whole time. And what are private companies masters of? Innovation. And efficiency. And efficiency. It's literally the opposite situation. Yeah. That's how you survive in a free market. I mean, I could use the SpaceX example real fast right now if you if you ever wanted to go into that. But a real quick little tidbit, one of my favorite examples when we talk about this road thing is the SpaceX example. Guys, we had NASA, and this is not to put down NASA, because even I have a t-shirt and a coffee cup that says NASA on it. We all we all love it. We've seen I love Space Apollo, Camp, big fan. Apollo 13. Yeah, I love it. But listen, since the Air Force and then into NASA have been controlling uh, going up into space, we've been using rockets all the time to take people up into space. And you know what happens whenever the rocket takes someone up into space? For the last like 60, 70 years, whenever a rocket takes someone up into space, it takes them up there, and then the rocket stops, it drops down in the ocean, and it's trash. That's it. And then the government gets to build a new one for the next time that a rocket takes someone into space. So, And these uh, these are cheap rockets, right? I mean, I'm sure that they were very cheap, Charlie. I'm sure they were very cheap. Uh, but now your money gets used to build a new one every single time. But guess what? This guy comes in, Elon Musk comes in with SpaceX, and within 15 years of SpaceX existing, they developed a way to reuse the rockets, to fly the rocket back down to the launch pad. And then on top of that, they invented a way to fly the rocket onto a ship floating in the ocean. Because a drone they, ship. Because <laughs> they knew that it was cheaper for the boat fuel to take it back to Florida than for the rocket fuel to take the rocket back to Florida. And they invented that way. And so even if you're, say, an environmentally friendly person, listen, we've got this junk we used to just throw away all the time. And now, because SpaceX, a private company, is building this, they invented a way to reuse rockets after NASA and the Air Force used rockets for 70 years and just threw them away every single time. We went 70 years with almost no innovation in, in the rocketry world. And it's, then a private company, a profit-seeking company, invented a way to save money. And they're doing it on like one one-hundredth of the budget. Yeah. So that's, anyway, back to the road thing. What I'm When we're talking about Man, these, that was a long walk. When we're talking about these crazy <laughs> roads that me and Charlie have dreamed up, what I'm saying is you have no idea what a private company would have invented by now that we just can't even imagine but the government's been controlling it but anyway as a libertarian hearing a president talk about privatizing roads to save money is a great deal so you guys got anything else from the actual speech nothing from the no. actual speech but I, th I think we've got let's go over a, let's go over the good and, and yeah, good and bad a, list a big freedom fails and wins list here and I'm going to kind of run through them and get a little commentary from you guys. So we're going to start with the bad stuff first. We're going to go through the whole bad list and then go to the wins. So the first thing that comes to mind over some cheesecake is unilaterally bombing Syria 
and interrupting the sovereignty of a country. Yeah, that's not good. Fail. Especially huge fail, especially since there were uh you know, chemical scientists coming out from MIT saying that it was obvious that these chemicals didn't come from Assad. Which, to clarify, this was done under the guise that Assad had used chemical weapons on his own people. Right. It's the same smoking gun. The reason why we invaded Iraq because of weapons of mass destruction that were never found. So they got away with bombing Assad in Syria because of chemical weapons that he never used on his own people. But guys, Syria is such a better place now that we started bombing them don't you think you <laughs> we left, think about we left a land? couple dents you know? don't even get me started in the uh <laughs> what's happened with refugees i mean it's completely worked everything we've done in our foreign policy over the last 20 years perfect so the big freedom stance is let's stop randomly bombing other countries uh over cheesecake well as we've yeah. said many times we need to completely change our foreign policy um you know one thing trump said in the speech that aligns with this is that he, we need to, you know, modernize and increase our power in the nuclear weapons department. Nuclear. I don't know if I say it right. And I <laughs> really just don't kidding. care. Nuclear. The it's all, it's all good, brother. Go the atom, atom bomb. bomb. <laughs> and he, and this is what we fight other countries about all the time. We don't want them to increase their atom bomb potential. But we're going to sit there and we need to modernize and, and increase ours to show our power and strength. That's what everybody else wants to do. So a foreign policy is probably a whole, we could do another hundred episodes. Of, so so another big fail is reigniting the nuclear arms race. We had that listed. You jumped into it, spoiled her. Well, it goes along with the foreign no, it policy. Does. That's and, a good tie-in. And the so military industrial we're complex. We're the only people that are allowed to have nuclear weapons. Because we, we decided. We have because, a right. Because we are better and just more good and just huge and beautiful and you're going to love it. Um, Glimmering. And, yeah. and then... The year would not be complete without speaking about my favorite person, the Tariff Daddy. Mm -hmm. oh. Arguably, in my opinion, his biggest fail of the year. And he just keeps coming back. And he won't stop. Nothing is safe from a Trump tariff. Does he? Uh, I wonder what the deregulation to tariff ratio is. <laughs> that is a pretty good thing that we, we should look at because he has had a lot of deregulation, but at the same time, Increased prices on a lot on a lot of things uh, under the guise of creating American jobs, but at the same time, when your prices on everything go up, is it really a good thing that you added two thousand jobs at a factory somewhere when yeah. a three hundred million people have to pay more for something? You added two thousand jobs and prevented fifteen thousand houses from being built. Yeah, and killed forty thousand jobs. Anyway, um, so tariffs were big freedom. No, no. Yep. Um, Let's see here. His intent to eliminate the filibuster so he could steamroll through the branches of government. Which this is something that, honestly, uh, both sides try to do all the time. And they never remember that um, eventually the other side is going to have that option. But in the Senate, you can filibuster if you want to stop a vote from happening, if you want to stop something from happening. And Trump has uh, invoked, said that we should invoke the nuclear option. Uh, to get rid of the filibuster. Which I kind of think of the filibuster as sort of a sanity check on, you know, one party sort of getting drunk on power. It, it does give the other side a little bit of a, a failsafe to keep things from going too crazy. It's it's the job. It's in the Constitution. It is the job of a senator to represent their state. 
uh, to represent the people from their state. Notice I said their state, not the people in their yeah, district. Yeah, it's really their state, yeah, not the that's, people that's from their state. That's what it's supposed to be, but... is to represent their state. Um, but they can go in there and stop a vote from happening if it's extremely unconstitutional, which we've seen Rand Paul do a couple times, go in there and filibuster an unconstitutional law that was getting renewed or being created. Uh, we saw, I think, Ted Cruz filibustered the uh, Obamacare. Rand Paul filibustered the Patriot Act. Uh, we've seen a lot of good filibusters. Uh, it's not time to get rid of those because those those are important um, I don't know if you noticed, but Rand Paul and Ted Cruz filibustered things, and they still went through. So saying that you need to get rid of the filibuster, uh, to me, doesn't really make any sense. We need to leave it as an option, because the people are supposed to have a voice, the states are supposed to have a voice, and that's the job of the senators. So, Charlie, next item here, I have it titled Redneck Immigration Policy. So mm-hmm. some of the stuff he's doing isn't necessarily so bad, but his intention behind it a little messed up on some of the travel freezes and things like that. Yeah, I, I would say some good, mostly bad on the immigration. I think obviously the 1.8 million DACA members, I think that's a good thing. I mean, these people are good people that mostly have jobs and, and they're contributing. Sure, let them stay. The wall's a terrible idea. We shouldn't spend the ridiculous amount of money it's going to cost for all that. So, yeah, I, I guess... That's a good title for it. But then again, travel bans on the all of the, I won't just say they weren't all Muslim nations, but we'll just call it the Muslim travel ban. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Doesn't really fix anything. It's not, it's not very American. It doesn't really fix anything. To me, um, I, I know we've had some differences on that. So well, I don't it's, know. It's if, more like disorganized countries, really. Like yeah. countries that don't keep records and things like that. Like I can see that angle. I just think where he personally is coming from, I don't agree with at all. You think that his intentions behind it are bad. Some of the things yeah, he, could actually be good. Yeah, he's kind of swinging for it and it, it might land somewhere good, but he doesn't really know why he's doing it. You know, yeah. That could be a lot of things. I honestly doing. think it's just because it stirs his base up. Really. I mean... I don't I even know if he truly mis- believes. I think it's more of a misguided thing. I think he thinks he's doing well and doesn't understand the repercussions of what he's doing. But That's... we got to keep moving through here. So the next one I've got is ballooning military spending on a negative here. This is another one we can spend an entire show on yeah. because we spend more than the next. You need uh, more than big hands or big bombs. <laughs> the next like 20 nations combined, I think. Yeah, but they raised that up to uh, 700 million, a billion, I believe, in this uh, recent budget. And listen, we all know people that are in the military, and we're not saying that troops should have terrible living conditions. Has or has nothing that, to do with or, troops. Or that they should make less money. That has nothing to do with talking about military spending. What we're talking about are $35 million planes that even generals are saying they don't need right now. That somehow there's an order going through the Pentagon to uh, one of the big military industrial complex companies uh, saying that we need $15, $35 million planes. Whenever you can actually read a report from a general saying, we don't need that. What we need are better tasting MREs and a nice tent. Well, or the like, plane could be produced for $5 million with a 50% profit for the company. Yeah. When you have a government, if, anytime you have the government paying for something, we all know that we have to have a military, but this is what's happened. The The price of all of these things has completely been inflated. A plane does not cost 
$35 million to make. Now, I know there were a lot of expenses, a lot of R&D that went into making the plane. That In we the don't, 70s. Just like drugs. <laughs> when you have a $2 billion drug, you're like, oh, well, it doesn't take you $200 to make that drug. Well, guess what? I spent $2 billion making the drug, and that that's what we're talking about. But what we're saying is when the government offers unlimited amounts of money for things, a company is going to charge what they can get. And when what they can get is whatever they ask for, it's going to keep going up. And if that doesn't make you mad enough, there was a Yale student who uh, did a report on the Department of Defense and somehow around $3.1 trillion is just missing. And so hopefully that they become uh, or that it gets investigated soon because I would really like to find out what happened to uh, $3.1 trillion that was just squandered. And if we were going to sum this up, it's more money for troops is fine, but less money for inefficiency. I think the troops should make more. They make they make way too less. The actual people in the military. For the amount of risk that they take on, they don't make enough money. You're talking about the someone's nearly enough. Someone's life right now. Like, hey, you're going to risk your life and I'm going to pay you um, $2,000 yeah. a month. Yeah, $2, like, here, a month. you, have to, you yeah. have to do what you do, but with a gun to your head. If I, as a... You know, as a capitalist, I'm going to go, I want three times as much money because I have a gun to my head. But instead, we spend that $700 billion on a ton of waste. And that's what we're talking about. It's not the troops. We support the troops. We want the troops to make more money. We want them to make five times more than they're making right now. They should make more than I do. Yeah. but Way more. That's not what the military spending is for. What the military spending is for is uh, probably the 2,000 golf courses that the Pentagon owns and the uh, $35 million planes that should so cost So we're going to call less. this to sum it up. We're going to call it military bloat. Yes. That's sort of the fail there. The next thing I've got is spin, spin, spin. So he likes to blast the fake news, but... He's not exactly being forthright in any of the things he brings up, really. And Trump's not phys- uh, Trump's not a physical conservative. Fiscal conservative. He's not. He's not physically he, conservative either. He's, he's no. quite liberal. He's yes. <laughs> physically I, liberal and <laughs> and honestly, he's not shy about it. I don't think he he didn't campaign on it. He he wasn't uh, a guy that came out and said, "Yeah, we need to slash the budget." I mean, I don't think he's a guy that really cares about deficits or debt or anything like that i think he cares about you know forwarding his legacy now i talked to nate about this earlier before the show and i will say that i think trump's put a lot of good people in place as we alluded to earlier that do care about spending and deficits and things like that but trump himself i i I really don't think he even cares and i don't think he cares about trying to hide that that he's not a conservative when it comes to spending so Okay, our last two fails, a couple of these are kind of jokes. Poor taste in spray tan and encouraging skin cancer. Uh, lastly is running his mouth on Twitter. Get off that, man. We don't yeah. need this business. It's Just confusing. Stop. Just yeah. my, my issue with Twitter was that, you know, he's actually done some pretty good things. Like some good things have happened in the last year. But I think um, he's rekindled and strengthened so much of the hatred for him and for Republicans by using Twitter the way that he does or by running his mouth the way that he does, that people are blind to some of the good things that have happened. Like, guys, three million people have received some kind of a a pay raise or a bonus just directly affected by the tax cut, and no one will even think about that. We're blind to it because his Twitter is so obnoxious. Yeah. He's kind of reprehensible from Twitter. You can't, they can't see the through the hate. The, he feeds the hate so often that no one can see through it. It's all emotion all the time. I don't want you guys to miss the biggest 
the biggest flaw. Wait, you have a fail that's not on my list. Yes, the biggest oh, fail gosh, for the State of Union was Trump's wife, Melania, wore white before <laughs> Memorial Day. Are we back to this again? So <laughs> We have came she, full circle. Okay, so now we're going <laughs> to run through this trending story, running a, John. Running a little long here. On his wins, and these are might not see this in the news, in my opinion, his appointment of FCC chair Ajit Pai, huge win. Great win. Massive. Death of net neutrality. And then there was a story that broke last week about possibly, which I, I haven't seen where this was sourced from, about possibly wanting to do a, a nationwide government-funded 5G network. He comes out and he's like, this is a terrible idea. The private sector has led the way. That's why we're ahead of every other company or every other country. Trump effectively appointed a libertarian as the FCC chair. The guy it, came in there, got rid of... He is... Yeah. He's like the libertarian dreamboat of yeah, the FCC. came in, got rid of net neutrality, said they talked about having a government-funded 5G network, and the guy said, no, this is terrible. We don't, we don't want to do this. That's great when you have a guy in power that says, hey, would you like more power? And he's like, no, that's... Stupid. Why would I want that? Come on. That's he, a great thing. He also retweeted a story about uh, a local story here about occupational uh, licensing. He picked it up and retweeted that. So that was pretty cool. Ajit Pai did? He did. So, nice. Ajit, if you're listening, you're probably not. <laughs> Statistically, keep, keep, he's yeah, not keep, listening. Keep doing what you're doing. We're big fans. We want more Ajits in, yeah. in government. Um, tax cuts we already talked about, regulation rollback we hit already, um, VA streamlining, the, the streamlining of people that weren't performing well. That's amazing, honestly, because there are so many reports of all this uh, waste, fraud, and abuse within the VA. In fact, they get more money than most uh, giant hospital corporations, and the fact that uh, they changed things to where 1500 people got fired you mean 1500 people had jobs that shouldn't have had jobs for how long and we're finally able to can them left the scalpel inside but can't be fired they talked about um making it easier to get rid of government employees that weren't doing their jobs too that's a really big thing when you work for the government it's nearly impossible for you to get fired it's very hard to get fired Which, what's funny is if i do one thing wrong i'm done yeah i don't <laughs> get anything there's no anything i'll see you later we're not gonna pay you you anymore. work for a corporation you do something wrong they can let you go you work for the government they've got to have you got to go on trial for them to fire you basically there was a director of the va that got caught with about little over $200,000 worth of embezzlement and fraud and got to keep her job. I saw that story about two years ago. It's one of the, it's on my uh, most infuriating list. No, it wasn't on the onion. I have. It wasn't on the onion. So no, that's a, that's a <laughs> true story. <laughs> we'll hit some onion next week yeah. for sure. I think we pretty much hit all the highlights here. Didn't we? Yeah. I mean, I, overall, I, I think it was a, a pretty good speech. He sounded presidential. Uh, there were definitely some bad things from Trump's first year as a president. And there were also a lot of really good things that, that people need to pay attention to. Um, but if you guys want to talk to us about it, get on Twitter. Go to the at Big Freedom Show. Hit up info at thebigfreedomshow.com. Send us an email. You know, get on Facebook. And the biggest thing we can ask of you guys, please just, you know, share the show, leave a review on iTunes. That's a huge deal for us right now. We just want to get the message out. We've been seeing the show grow and we can't thank you enough for that, guys. So, hey, tune in next week when we're back at it, guys. This is the Big Freedom Show. We're glad to be with you. We'll see you next week.